Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we like to talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name's Don Marshall. I'm a big chubby guy living here in sunny Hollywood. And today I am a PTSD traumatized boy because we are back on the Zoom oh. call, everybody. Oh. <laughs> this is Boo. a virtual recording. Whose fault was this? Michael's <laughs> fault. Michael. Luckily, none of us is sick, but this week, one of us is traveling. Yes, uh, one of us yeah. is not. Uh, hi, I'm Dan Oliverio. I'm an author, chubby chaser, and public speaker. And uh, I'm speaking to you from my central living room, because you know, I have so many living rooms. And uh, yeah, so I, I traveled all the way from the bedroom out here, and uh, it was a great flight. I'm still in my pajamas. And uh, <laughs> really enjoying the uh, in-room service. I gotta say, your central living room is my favorite of your living rooms. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, we put a lot of work into those. It's very tastefully appointed. I like it. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I'm Trevor Keyson. I'm a super chub, and I just flew in from across the hall, and boy, are my arms tired. Blah, <laughs> um, blah, blah. Yeah, uh, I forgot the special kind of hell Zoom recording is. <laughs> um, My name is Michael. I am a chaser, and uh, I am. It, this is this is weird. I, I I mean, I guess it's a good thing that we've had enough time to get used to doing shows back in person again. That this is now not the norm, but ugh, I hate it. I don't like it. Fortunately, we only have to do two of these before I'm back in LA. So let's just let's just get through it, everybody. Okay, go, go, we can go, do this go, together. Go. So welcome back, everybody. Thanks for spending another hour with Big Fat Gay Podcast. <laughs> and let's company. Get it. Let's Don't forget the company. Get get into it. Get into the mailbag. <laughs> let's just do it. This I've is got it. a mailbag just, I want to get into. Just play the fucking music. So uh, this mailbag comes from a, a devoted listener that we have. Uh, thank you very much, Judd, for writing in. Um, he responded to a few things that we said in the last episode, uh, kind of in order. Uh, he was mentioning that in Las Vegas, where he lives, um, there is no facility in Las Vegas where he can go to get a CT or an MRI due to his size. Um, and in order to get an ultrasound, he had to go to the hospital ER uh, or be admitted, um, which sucks uh and continuing uh he said after seeing uh, mayor of east town he says i think kate winslet uh, would be a great linda trip or if you went a little older kathleen turner or sally struthers would be really interesting choices and then last on the list in response to the bit um from last week he said in the original book of psycho by robert block i was lucky enough to read a copy at my public library 30 years ago norman bates was fat Imagine the extra emotional layer of a Norman who becomes his mother as he is also at war with himself. Have a great week. Well, that is an interesting um, concept. I really like Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's almost like it should have been written that way. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta um, say, the idea of Kathleen Turner as Linda Tripp actually is kind of interesting. I like that. The voice uh, would be... She might like, be a little long of the such a yeah. distinctive voice. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what Linda it, Tripp's voice is like. It's, mm. it's interesting that... Um, I didn't know that about Psycho. Um, it made me think of how in the book of Carrie, Carrie is fat um, and also like has really bad acne and everything. Oh. And I just think that adds debt. Like, uh, who was it? Chloe Grace Mortez in the remake as Carrie is Moretz. like Moretz. Yeah. Moretz. I, I don't know. I thought that was a very weird choice. Uh, I mean, I kind of liked it. It was it was a Carrie movie. It's 
whatever. But yeah. I did not I believe think she's her. Too, she's too pretty to believe that she's being bullied like that. So moving right along, uh, Old Navy is redefining what plus size shopping looks like. This comes from Vogue. Um, basically, uh, after I don't even know how long, a long time, Old Navy has opted to make every garment in the Old Navy women's section available um, online and in source from sizes 0 to 28, with 30 being available online exclusively, in the same styles, for the same price, completely integrated into existing women's section. There's no mm-hmm. plus size section separate from the you know accepted size women. It's just all women, and they go from 0 to 38. Uh, sorry, 0 to 28, with 30 being online. Um, so this was... I saw this blowing up kind of in, I don't know, fat Twitter. But uh, <clears throat> as we talked about last week with the the fight for inclusivity, Sase West was like, you know, this is great. It's like 98% there. But why is size 30 still only online? Yeah, I mean, I wondered about that. I, I wonder if they just did some hard math about like space, like inventory space. But I but don't know. If you, I have, uh, we have found time and time again, if you build it, if you make it available, People mm-hmm. will buy it. There's no there's no one that's like, I mean, I'd rather just get my clothes online instead of being, <laughs> well, being able to go into I, the I store. Guess, I guess what I mean is that the stores already exist, right? So, like, they have yeah. a, a set amount of space that they can, like, stock their whatevers. And I'm not saying this is the case, but, you know, if you're adding new sizes, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if they did add new sizes or... My brain is in that dumb space today where when you ask, why don't they stock the size 30s? My brain immediately went to this like scene of a size 30 dress stalking the store and like mauling <laughs> sales associates. You're like, no stocking, we just not stalking. Can't, we can't tame the size 30s. They took down another cashier just last week. Shoot her. <laughs> so I, I had the same reaction, Trevor. Like, really? And just size 30 online. I thought maybe, but I also recognized the other thing I thought it was what Michael said was that, you know, it, there is a finite m- amount of space in a but brick and mortar also, store. It's so close. You're so yeah, close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but like, here's, here's here, what I thought. Would, <laughs> but here's my point. My point is that it would really take the curse off if they said, well, and size 30 through 38 is available online. Yes. So that if it's it's not just yeah. that one size that is, you know, being relegated, because if it's going to be online, you could actually make a whole a whole nother yeah. eight sizes. You know. Well, and mm-hmm. I found this back in the time we put in the little like the harp flashback sound here <laughs> when I wore 4X. I remember someone being like, oh, American Eagle has 4X and going to American Eagle and mm-hmm. then like they have it, but only online. And it's just that one size online. And and you can't try it I, on. Yeah. Yes. And it would to me, it's like, it makes sense. Like Dan said, if it's a broader range, but it's like, it's one size. Just wedge it in there. Just <laughs> get, get rid of like four pairs of size small of whatever, you know. Oh, e- uh, extra small. Yeah. A f- <laughs> flouncy dress. So you can wedge in a couple of size 30. I also think that we need to appreciate what they did. They didn't mm-hmm. just they didn't just put it in the store. They did a whole bunch of things. So number one, they put it in the store. Number two, they didn't create they didn't relegate it to the special, you know, Frico section yes. called plus size. They actually are it's on the rack with all the other sizes. So you just find your size on the rack. Which mm-hmm. means they also, mm-hmm. as as I think Michael or 
Trevor alluded to, they have the same styles because so often you're mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, I really love that style. Trevor, we've gotten kind of, kind of this so many times. I love that style. And they're like, yeah, but that only that stops at 3X. If you want your size, you need to go over there to the tarps. So yes. I'm yeah. wondering <laughs> what what was the origin of a plus size section? Somebody had to think about that. Like, so we don't want the fat people upsetting the thin people so we're going to send them to the left rear corner of the store there's you that, know, away from the windows there's that haunted section of the store back there let's yeah. send them there <laughs> you actually had to come up with a specific idea to separate clothing right just we're, we're not going to keep all of our clothing in the same place mm-hmm. we're going to break it up for bigger people and everyone else like I, I think because you're absolutely right, Don, it's like you have to, it actually takes more effort to design that in in the first place. And, yeah. uh, and I'm not saying they did. I mean, we've sort of inherited that system, but it begs your question. Where did that come from? And I and, you know, the typical answer, which I think is very likely, is we don't want fat people taking up space in the normal people section. Yeah. But I think and that but I think there's also the idea that when a lot of mainstream realtors like let's say jc penny or whatever when they decided to cater to their actual customer who is larger they built it on the model of these customers are used to shopping at a freak store they're used to going to the forgotten woman and uh i can't remember some of the other uh, uh plus size store or they're used they're used to going to a plus size store so we're going to create a plus size section so they know their home is <laughs> oh. lane oh lane right. just, yeah i Don or Dan might know this. Is Lane Bryant an actual person? Is there a Lane Bryant? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She's she's roommates with Betty Crocker. If you believe in her, Trevor, then she (laughs) believes in you. She'll exist in your soul. I feel like she's like a like a character actress, like uh, Cameron Manheim. (laughs) Like I just picture. Like she, oh yeah, Yeah, she was in that '90s thing. Yeah, it's a stage name. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. Like. She's a mythical creature that comes to large ladies' homes once a year. She mm-hmm. sneaks in through the plumbing and leaves fresh paws <laughs> at the front doorstep. <laughs> so here's my favorite part about this this Old Navy story. Um, I think I'm just going to read the, the first few sentences of this paragraph. Um, From the product development standpoint, Old Navy has redeveloped all of their existing plus-size grading with the use of 3D avatars made with 389 body scans of real women in partnership with the University of Oregon. This fit direction, Allison assures, the woman being interviewed, I think she's a rep from Old Navy, assures will be familiar to their existing customers. Their size should still be the same. However, the fit will just be better and, based on early feedback, more comfortable. Um, so it's, it, th- this is what sort of pushes me into the mindset of like, they're, they're, they're making, they're not just making an effort or like mm-hmm. doing a sort of like cosmetic, like PR blitz to say like, Hey, look how great we are. Like that, that's some R and D money right there. That's, yeah. that's an yeah. actual project and initiative that took time and money and effort to, to try and make their clothes fit better. I, I'm sort of fixated on what Trevor said earlier. Like why? One size, just one size. I think that this is a specific dig at Mary Lou Harris from Boise, Idaho, who pissed <laughs> off the wrong manager. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know what? Fuck you, Mary Lou. You're never going to get to shop in my store. We're exiling your size, your one your, size. Your one size. 
And we're going to know this because next week they're going to announce that sizes 32 and up will be available in their stores. And size yes. 30 will still only be available online. <laughs> Just you wait. Mary Lou, this is on you. You you yeah. know what you did. <laughs> it's getting, I feel like we're getting to the weird point of this. So let's let's move uh, on. <laughs> move on. <laughs> I was going to say, no. like, imagining no. a, a PR thing with Lane Bryant bursting through a big tarp about like <laughs> some 80s music. Anyway, moving on. There's a... There's a new Melissa McCarthy movie coming out that I think looks amazing. Also, Chris O'Dowd is in it, who I love. Yes, he's awesome. Kevin Klein. Yes. I, I was actually wondering, because I just saw the preview, right? Mm-hmm. And it looks great. Uh, the, the preview kind of overshares. I feel like, well, that's great. I now mm-hmm. saw the movie. But for, I think for this, for the people who would watch this movie, I think that's perfectly fine. I think they want to see Mel- Melissa McCarthy and and Kevin Klein and everybody go through this. But my question is this, are we talking about this because it has nothing to do with a fat character being fat? I, it's Melissa McCarthy, who is a fat woman, which I think is like a, the double whammy in Hollywood. And she gets a, a leading role in a dramatic, like uh, uh, Oscar bait movie. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's impressive. Like they didn't well, and, put it this way. They didn't put Sarah Paulson in a fat suit to play this character. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's what I mean. Like it's it's a movie with a fat actress and a fat character. And it's not about her being fat. Absolutely nothing to do with it. Also, yes. Melissa McCarthy is married to Chris O'Dowd in the movie, which. Yes. Yeah. So that, it's not like it's exactly. So she has a, a you know, a thinner or average size husband. Um Average size is wrong too. I don't know. I, I don't know a better word to say that because thin is not quite accurate. And anyway, it doesn't matter. He, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I like this. I mean, I, I'm not saying we should sized. Is it <laughs> uh, uh, the gap size? Is well, is that to the American standard size. or Chinese standard? There's <laughs> also uh, European standard. Good catch, Michael. Good catch. <laughs> um, you think anyway, my my point is, I I I think that's a good reason to be talking about it. That there's actually, it's a great thing that it's not about that. And it doesn't need to be about that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, it comes out on September 24th. Oh, sorry. September 17th is a theatrical release. And then September 24th is uh, Netflix. And um, I think it'd be really great the, to tell people what it's called. Oh, did we not the say Starling. that? Starling. <laughs> <laughs> so before we move on, I want to do a quick little detour into a sort of behind the scenes update. Um, my work schedule is getting more and more intense and is going to continue to do so through easily through June of next year. Um, and so I, I slash we need a little help. Um, we're actually looking to hire uh, an experienced audio editor for our show, for the podcast. Um, we are going to work with them on a weekly basis. Uh, obviously, it's a paid position. Um, and if you, the listener, if you know anybody or if you have done this kind of work yourself before and you feel confident about it, um, please reach out to us on any of the social media links we mentioned. Um, we would love to uh, review your resume and see if anything works out. Um, yeah. So, OK, uh, back into it. It's Fat Watch. The music's in our heads because Michael isn't at the soundboard. Oh, right. <sighs> it's lovely. It's Fat Watch. Um, so once again, kind of the, the whole theme, the angle of this year's Fat Watch is more about activism. And we all know kind of the whole situation going on with Afghanistan. I don't really want to get into all of that, but I wanted to gather some resources for listeners who are just kind of in a, a space where they're like, what can I do? You know, different different ways to help, especially with um, 
marginalized people trying to get out of Afghanistan. Especially if there's a lot of LGZ people in there trying to get out right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as part of our community, Trevor, you found some good resources here, I think, that we could use to reach out to. Yes. Well, I'll let Dan talk about. um, So the advocate was listing some organizations, including uh, Rainbow Railroad, which I'll let Dan talk about because he is a, a big fan of this organization. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Rainbow Railroad. They are uh, an international group based, I think they're primarily based in Canada, but they also have offices in the United States. And their specialty is getting queer people out of anti-queer countries. So like out of Chechnya, out of uh, Afghanistan in this case. Uh, And we're, um, uh, we support them monetarily, we support them morally. Uh, it's, It's a really important resource because although things are, Things are going to be, you know, potentially really horrible for women in Afghanistan. They're not going to kill all the women in the country. They would if they could kill all the gays in the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a huge deal. Um, uh, certainly, in, in in my opinion. So Rainbow Railroad is one of the uh, one of the organizations listed uh, in the Advocate. And like I said, I've been a longtime supporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the L.A. Times uh, is featured a list of how you can help. Uh, uh, refugees coming to California uh, and resurface of that so that because it's a LA Times mm-hmm. and also the mm-hmm. um, uh, Trevor you, you found this why don't you talk about the sponsor program yeah. um, so I follow this gentleman on Twitter and he's um, a gay veteran who works frequently with um, veterans and also um, allies who have left Afghanistan um, in kind of career placement career counseling um, and he is looking for career sponsor volunteers um, both veterans and not, uh, I mean, obviously if you, if you know people who are veterans in any kind of job recruiting, that's a bonus, but even just people who, uh, can, uh, do resume reviews, help with resume writing, interview prep, referrals, introductions to broader networks. If you can do informal interviews, um, I'm going to share the link to this, uh, Google doc, um, form on the website, but if you I- or anyone, you know, like does kind of like, I, I, I sent it to Dan because Dan has worked with international students. Dan does college counseling, career counseling, has done interview prep stuff for people. Like, I mean, I think it's worth just thinking about your personal skill set because they they need all kinds of people, both with military f- affiliations and not. Yeah, it's not so much about the military affili- affiliation. It's about do you have connections that could help uh, a refugee who landed in the country, whether it's with job mm-hmm. skills, job training, resume, or maybe you can just refer them to, you know, a company that needs help. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's that's obviously right now. I, I feel like th- this is the most immediate thing because it's it's bl- well, I don't want to make a bad accidental pun, but it is becoming a much an exponentially larger and larger issue as the days go by. Um, yeah. So I, I really appreciate that. You guys found these these resources that we can talk about them and they'll all be available on our website right trevor yeah the advocate i mean we highlighted rainbow railroad but there's also some other lgbtqi specific organizations and not like just organizations that help families and women um check it out see how you can help yeah um so our who out of curiosity who i, I forget where the our main subject started today was that with dan uh, who wants to do to lead us into our, our our OnlyFans discussion? I think it sort of organically arose. It's so it's been so in the news. Uh, That's what yeah. she uh, said. For the <laughs> for the people wondering what we're referring to, this is the whole skirmish skittle 
controversy with OnlyFans and how they said that they were going to crack down on porn, which you might find funny since most of us only know OnlyFans because it offers porn. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was genuinely surprised it. that they had other types of content. It would be like Pornhub, just saying we're doing music was... videos now. Yeah, well, exactly. So sorry, anyway, so anyway, right. so, but just to, to put it further in context, so OnlyFans said we are going to, you know, crack down on porn. There was a huge outcry from a number of different corners, and then they recanted somewhat. I will leave it to Trevor to parse how they or didn't they retract. Yes. So what's weird about this is OnlyFans, like the story... There was a statement from OnlyFans, but it wasn't like released via any of their media. It was kind of more, I think, an email that went out to creators talking about this, you know, porn. But they said like a sexually explicit content. It would, and then there was still going to be nudity allowed, but it was very weird in the guidelines. It was purposefully unclear. Um, they have since suspended. I'm doing some air quotes here. That statement, <laughs> and they are suspending this ban, but it is not. It is not explicitly like this is never going to happen. They've just suspended it for now. Um, And this is part of a larger messy entity of conservative organizations, religious organizations. I'm sorry, just Republican representatives um, on this moral crusade. Um, This is kind of this is directly connected to the implosion of Pornhub. Yeah. Where basically. Right. X tube. Yes. Um, where credit card companies were suspending payments on these websites. And this is also part of a larger, um, there was an article that came out talking about human trafficking and child abuse and all of these other things. Um, In regards to Pornhub, a CEO of MasterCard read this and then started contacting his other CEO buddies um, and they suspended payments to Pornhub, which is why the implosion happened, because they purged all non-verified content. Right. And this obviously is like a huge deal because it has broader implications. The, the more content they ban, the more content is at risk. How do you mean? Because they successfully took down Pornhub. Um, Xtube kind of yeeted itself um, <laughs> into space after that um but they're gone i mean Pornhub survived but xtube is gone gone if they successfully took down OnlyFans, they could come for patreon next they could come for twitter um one of these voices who is um the head of a christian fundamental organization i'm not going to give them i don't i don't i don't want to give their name any air um but this woman was saying Everyone's talking about OnlyFans, but we should talk about Twitter b- distributing illegal pornography <laughs> as well. Um, and it's just this, I mean, the saying about, you know, they came for this person, they came for this person, they came for this person, and now they came for me. Yeah. Um, it yeah. is, and it also just harms so many people who rely on sex work yeah. for income. Um, I mean, there's right. uh, someone I follow, um, Borlord, I've mentioned before, I've shared their artwork on our Twitter you know, said like, I, if this happens, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent in October. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, and, you know. it's, and it should be said, it's unclear what they're going to ban, but that's like saying it's unclear whether they're going to foreclose on your house. It's, well, what, what it Trevor still creates is, that unsta- instability. What Trevor is talking about can't be ignored either. It's like, no, doesn't of course matter not. whether or not OnlyFans goes down. That's the tip of the iceberg. Like I, I lived through this before. 
mm-hmm. remember in the 80s, the Christians started going after mm-hmm. everything, television, comic books, video games, music, every single kind of media you found know, itself it, under attack by the moral majority. And can I just make the link here? Gosh, that sounds exactly like the Taliban in Afghanistan. Mm. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> you know, yeah. The difference is to... like they're not throwing people off of roofs over here, but they really want to if you listen to them. No, they mm-hmm. no they they, they don't they don't want to have to go that far and neither does the Taliban. They just want it to all to stop and conform. Mm-hmm. And it, right. it, it the one reason we're, us. The re- one of us. <laughs> I you know there's two I think there's two big points to be made. One is, you know, part of why this is so really important to the fat community is that there are, I mean, for a lot of very fat people, their porn site, as Trevor points out, is their only source of income. But also, someone who is 700 or 800 pounds and sharing their body online for money, it may very likely be the best income for them or the only income for mm-hmm. them. And they are, and in fact, their fans really like that. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a, yeah. I, I, I don't want to say it's exploitive because it is a reciprocal relationship uh, that is uh, that is consensual. But my point well, is I, that I think, for, for a lot of people, this is really this, this is their own, not just their only livelihood, but their only possible livelihood. I But I, I think it's also important to point because some of the arguments being made um, by these organizations is that it's exploited to ex- exploitative. exploitative. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I know a lot of sex workers that it is their main source of income, but it is also something they enjoy. So I think it's important to say that. And um, I think the, the, the nature of OnlyFans also allows the content creators to control their mm-hmm. content yeah. in a way that a lot of, you know, I, I remember the only larger porn sites that I ever saw in the 90s. I don't I don't know how much of that was under control of the creators. If you want to go back to the very early days of, you know, putting in a cassette porn tape, none of that was controlled by the creators. It was controlled by a director and a producer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you had you had to literally bend over and take it because that's what they said the movie was about. They had the performers had no control or extremely little. The only control they had was I don't want to do this scene and they walk off the set. So the democratization of porn through the Internet has been incredibly empowering for sex workers. Mm hmm. And if I recall correctly, there have been, uh, what was it, the Rent Boy shutdown way back when? Or way back mm. when? That was like two or three years ago, I think. Um, yeah. It didn't end prostitution. All it did was it made prostitution less safe. Exactly. You know, um, and, you know, I remember when Giuliani shattered the red light district in New York, it didn't end New York's red light district. I mean, it did end the district. It just sent it all over the city. Rather than keeping it contained in a little side area where you could just tell your kids mm-hmm. not to go. Well, and you, know? I, you could argue that that was a benefit <laughs> because it was accessible everywhere and you didn't have to go to a dangerous neighborhood. Right. But it, what it, I'm saying is that it benefited mm-hmm. yeah. the porn consumer <laughs> and pissed off the people the room the rule was being made for mm-hmm. because now the adult bookstore was in their backyard rather than across the city. Yeah. Well, here's my prediction. My prediction is if if MasterCard and Visa are going to get are going to get really are going to lock down on this, if they are really determined to lock all this money down, this is going to be the biggest boon for cryptocurrency ever. 
This is mm-hmm. going. To, this is going to make cryptocurrency eclipse things like Mastercard and Visa. Because let's face it, we all know, like the song says, the internet is made for porn. Well, Dan, is this a good point for us to start the announcement of our new yeah. porn-friendly credit card line that we're going to start putting <laughs> yes. out? Well, no, I mean, I I think we should have the credit card line that is backed by the big fat gay cryptocurrency. Yeah. Yes. Now. You can get, it comes in four different flavors depending on like how, you know, what different benefits and perks you want from me. No. Uh, I, I, th- I think the unit of my currency, cryptocurrency is pineapple flavored. No, no. I think, I think the, the unit of currency should be the cookie. The cookie. Wow. Cookie oh, currency. Yes. Yeah. Like this, this, this porn video costs 27 cookies. <laughs> <laughs> nookie cookies. <laughs> oh, nookie cookies. I'm on board for nookie cookie. No, I think um, so I think I think it is important cuz human trafficking is a real issue. It is yeah. a serious issue, but it does not look like what these organizations are trying to make it out to be. Um I highly recommend listening to the podcast You're Wrong About especially just their human trafficking episode. Um because they really break down how it has spun into this issue that makes human trafficking and sex trafficking look like something that it is not. And it once again is kind of putting, you know, white people at the forefront when people of color in other countries are the, the main victims of this. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the, I, I love this because it's the epitome of the like manipulative gaslighting argument where it's saying like, you know, it's equating these two things and to mm-hmm. argue with it, it sounds like you're arguing that uh, human trafficking is not as big a deal or it's not a bad thing. When what you're trying to say yeah. is that porn is not as big a deal or a bad thing. But when the other side is equating the two things, mm-hmm. all they have to say is, oh, look at that monster. They don't think this human trafficking victim deserves their you know, mm-hmm. protection. Mm-hmm. And you're, and then you're invalid, and then some, and but it's that's not what we're talking about. We're trying to protect the people who are making a legal, valid living. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, again, this is one of the things that turned me. Like, I'm not against Christians. I am against uh, organized Christian doctrine trying to take over. Because I remember when I was a teenager, they were doing everything they could to cancel everything oh and the satanic <laughs> panic everything of the, mm-hmm. yeah this the satanic panic of the 80s mm-hmm. you know yep. like nowadays everyone loves Dungeons and dragons it's like the biggest fad thing back mm-hmm. then it was synonymous with satanism and human sacrifice and mm-hmm. all this ridiculous bullshit that the christians yeah. didn't understand what they were talking about as they so oh, they didn't rarely want to do they didn't mm-hmm. want to understand it's, all they they just wanted to make up shit so that they could stop people from doing yep. things that they didn't like and that's what's so frustrating. Like when you talk with an individual Christian that, you know, they're perfectly reasonable human beings. When you talk to organized Christianity, something goes wrong every time. Mm-hmm. I don't know it's why. It's groupthink. It's groupthink. The groupthink yeah. has never, yeah, it has never improved an individual's ability to analyze and assess. It's yeah. only just flattened people into sheep. But it's also like, a, it's, it's sort of part of Christian culture as far as I can tell is to signal how virtuous you are to the rest of the Christians in your community. And the most sort of efficient way to do that is to loudly and vocally decry something that you don't have any sort of personal stake in, but the Christianity says is bad. Yeah. So like a straight white dude 
who has no interest in sleeping with guys can show how a wonderful Christian he is by screaming about how awful gay people are. Right. And I think that's gay, what we gay see marriage. very often or gay marriage. Exactly. Yeah. They are not risk. They're not giving up anything by doing that, but they are showing the rest of the Christian world how incredibly Christian they are and gaining all the moral benefit that comes with that. You know, it's mm -hmm. it. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I just can't deal with organized religion. I've just seen that so often my entire life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, so one of the things we also wanted to talk about, because like our, our show very much comes from the advocacy for fat people side of things. And so there have been like 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 we were mentioning earlier, like the, the basically the the death of organized and sort of produced porn. And in our case, like specialized like porn that features fat mm -hmm. people um, basically has died out completely and is now taken up because like mainstream porn still exists, like produced mainstream porn still exists, but produced chub chaser porn, I'm pretty sure is all but dead. There might be like one or two outlets that do something every now and then, but by and large, it's just amateurs or people who have an OnlyFans account. And now if those people who have found their niche on a mainstream site, like OnlyFans is for everybody. Anybody mm -hmm. can get an OnlyFans and do whatever you want on there. Um, if those people are pushed out of the mainstream, where do they go next? And is it better to find a niche spot? Like a like, do you go somewhere like Bigger City where that's where you belong? Um, do you go somewhere or do you go to Patreon or to Just For Fans, which I think is... Uh, one of the other similar types of websites where it is generic and accepting of all kinds of people. Um, what is the difference between staying in your niche versus staying mainstream where there's more access to uh, customers? So are you, what is, what is your example of mainstream again? Well, like OnlyFans would have been mainstream. Like it's because yeah. anybody can go there. Patreon anybody also similar T Twitter. Mm -hmm. Twitter is equal opportunity. Yeah. I don't think there's as opposed to Dan, to think money. about, Back in the 90s or the early nils when mm. the internet was new, there were sites for large gay porn. Yeah, there was um, Chubnet. Chubnet uh, was the one that I first discovered. Uh -huh. That's how I discovered there was such a thing as Chubs and Chasers back in the day. Um, I checked last night. It actually still exists, but it exists completely behind a paywall with no visual imagery. So it's you don't know if you like it until you pay for it. So, yeah, you know, no one's going to do that. I pay for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so bulk mail, I think, was one that produced gay porn and there was a website for it. It's still there. But again, behind mm -hmm. a paywall, you know, so I it, think they've basically bought up most of the uh, p porn production companies that have since died out have been sort of swallowed up by bulk mail. OK, you know, uh, well, actually, they, actually, that's not quite true. They bulk mail was swallowed up by the company that swallowed all the others up, too. Um, I, I have to know a little bit about the financing of uh. this, so um, which I, I'm not unwilling to disclose publicly. Uh, and B, it's not me. <laughs> um, but now we know where Dan gets his big money from. <laughs> the purpose, the purpose of that was mainly to archive it. The person who does own all of this now, or the company that does own all of this now, is obviously not is not churning out more porn. But it's it's being it, it's there to be. It's kind of like TM. Is it what, what's the old movie channel? Is it TCM? TMC. TMC. Oh no. Sorry, TMZ, TMZ, TCM, Turner Classic Movies. Yeah, so it's kind of like that. So like, you know, 
Turner bought up all the you know the whole inventory of these old of these old movies, and then it's it's available to for distribution through. through Which that. one's gonna be? It's a wonderful life of the Chub Chaser porn industry. <laughs> I Which think one the, gains like there was incredible. a website was that was like the super chub video website. I can't remember what it was called. Well, but I mentioned that what's interesting is what you do have. You do have two other forms. You have what are called studios, which are part of things like clips for sale or or what was Pornhub or even you don't have it on OnlyFans, but there have been studios uh and that's an interesting model. And then there's the, as you say, there's just, a, you know, a guy and his camera and he's on OnlyFans or he's on Patreon or he's, he's wherever it is. Uh, for my money, most of the people who find their porn find it through either Tumblr. Like you, you see somebody hot on Tumblr or you see somebody hot on Bigger City or Grommer or Chaseable or wherever. And you're like, oh, look, they have an OnlyFans. And all of a sudden you're a subscriber. I think what those content creators have a problem with is that places like uh, Grommer and Chaseable and some of the and and some of the other sites won't let them advertise, like if because it's considered spam to the membership. So there's a conflict there. How do you advertise your OnlyFans site? Yeah. Uh, where do I put that? Because I mean that then becomes the problem if you're an independent producer or if you're part of a studio. Where does the studio advertise? You know, but I just I think talking more on sort of a personal level, what Michael's what Michael brought up earlier um, as the mainstream sites, right, start shutting down and there are fewer, fewer places where large people and large bodies can coexist side by side with mainstream bodies. Right. And we go more and more behind these paywalls. Right. It's basically exiling large bodies to the shameful place that has to exist in the darker corners of the Internet. Right. If if we if we can't exist on a broad platform that everyone goes to and might see us and might begin and through that begin to understand that the large body is just another type of body that can be appreciated and enjoyed just like everyone else. Then we then we exist in shame in the dark. Sure, but isn't being on OnlyFans and Patreon the solution to that? I, I, I'm. I don't know if it's the solution, but it is a crossover point where a large body can exist sexually right next to a mainstream body, as yeah, opposed to of yeah. all <laughs> of those having to go somewhere else, not to be discovered unless you specifically go out and look for it, as though it's shameful, as though it's you know. Um, unacceptable to mainstream society and it, yeah i remember feeling that way when there was no porn that you know i like i don't watch porn that features people like me but i love the fact that it exists you know <laughs> i am now like I, it is proof to my eyes that there is there is a joy for my body right it's it's like old navy <laughs> yes <laughs> it's all I, coming together I remember there was a long period where Christians used to scream at gay people that gay people were going out and trying to recruit right? <laughs> that we're going out. We're trying to make their kids gay. And <laughs> I, I, you could argue that it's kind of true because we're just trying to show that gay people exist. And because, you know, they exist. If you are gay, you might recognize that you are gay. 
Yeah. You know, <clears throat> if you call that recruiting, then fine. I well, just don't want yeah. people to languish forever, yeah. not being able to enjoy their sexuality because they've never been able to try the food that was made for them. Right. Absolutely you know? right. Yeah. So in the short term, I think my advice would be if you subscribe to an OnlyFans account or more, uh, stay subscribed until the point that your your person that you're following leaves just to give them even just that one extra month of buffer time um, because more than likely they're going to have to like quit, find somewhere else to move to. They're going to lose a bunch of their subscribers because mm-hmm. of that. And uh, it's going to be a, a rough transition. I don't think anyone who values their safety uh, and, and stability is going to stay on OnlyFans. Um, so my my two cents is there's going to be an exodus and it's more just, it's more about where they land. Um, I, I'm so not so sure there will be. I can see this going absolutely nowhere. I can see it that, you know, we have a policy so we can say we have a policy, but we're not going to shut down anything because it earns us money. I mean, I know that there's creators that have already left because they don't they don't trust the, the damage has been done and they don't trust the organization anymore. Yep, that's true. Uh, but I also and know we've seen this happen. We saw yeah. Xtube got shut down. Yeah. Xtube. This was the biggest place for amateur porn on the Internet. And they are dead. They're gone. Yeah. It's and shocking. Pornhub got eviscerated. Like, I don't think anyone's going to sit around and wait just in case OnlyFans doesn't do the same. Like I, if I were them, I, if I were they, I would leave. I would go find somewhere else and try and make it happen earlier to make it an organized switch. But that's just my two cents. Yeah, you, I mean, absolutely, you could be right. Um, I also know that for a, lot of, uh, for a lot of kink porn, you know, for kink, sucking and fucking is not primary. It may occur, but it's not really the point. If you're a gainer and encourager, for example, the fucking is not necessary. It's probably not exactly why you're there. You're there for the fat. And there is a lot of kink porn that is not sexually explicit in the traditional sense. And I wonder, A, whether those content creators were saying, because I've, I've actually seen some posts on Tumblr by these creators saying that, you know, no matter what happens with OnlyFans, it doesn't really affect my content because it doesn't affect my subscribers because it's not dependent on, let's say, anal penetration. Uh, what is interesting is that there's a whole controversy in moralization. Like if you look at certain laws um, about it's not whether the definition of whether it's sexually explicit is whether anybody is jerking off to it. And that would be a real blast of cold air that would shut down everything. But see, that that's the thing. It, trying to define pornography is almost impossible because it gets down to you're either defining particular images, but that's too narrow. So you try to define the context and then the context becomes, well, is somebody enjoying this in a way they shouldn't be enjoying it? And it just becomes this, it becomes unsustainable. Uh, And, you know, and therefore the solution for a lot of, you know, moralists is to just shut everything down. Right. Well, to to wrap this up, I just want to uh, touch real quick on the sadness of should we lose OnlyFans right now? Right. One of one of the great quotes about pornography is the difference between pornography and erotica is lighting, right? <laughs> and after a year of living on Zoom, we have the best porn lighting now. We know how to light our porn now, all of us from home. So damn it, let's not lo- let's not have learned that skill for no reason, people. You are so right. right. <laughs> so we do have a bit for today. 
So since we were talking about OnlyFans and self-produced porn, you know, even the biggest stars in the world occasionally have had to do a little bit of porn to make ends meet. So I uh, went well. through some, some old stories and I found three uh, mega stars who have done porn in the past. Um, and uh, let's explore who they are. And I should point out that all three of these, I picked specifically celebrities that have been open about their uh, pornographic history. And uh, I, I avoided anyone who did their best to try and sweep their pornography under the rug and didn't feel proud of it, or at least open to it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, ready? I'm going to uh, give you some clues as to who we're talking about. If you think you know who it is, buzz in. Back in 1975, this future world-famous megastar was having some trouble paying the bills. So he took a part in a softcore porn comedy where he had two sex scenes with one of the biggest porn stars of the time. Hmm. Who was the future megastar? Hint one, they were not American. Oh, I know who it is. Dan. Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. Damn. Oh, Oh, that was a good guess, though. Uh, Question. uh, Hint two, sex in this movie is much less dangerous than what they usually face on camera. Oh, uh, buzz, buzz, buzz. Michael. Sean Connery. No. Nah. Damn it. Hint three, as usual, he did all his own stunts. Oh, my God. Oh, Tom Cruise. Uh, Trevor. No. Jackie Chan. You are correct. Oh, huh. Wow. Uh, from the article, I had to do anything I could to make a living 31 years ago, but I don't think it's a big deal. Even Marvel, Mar- Marlon Brando used to be exposed in his movies, said Chan. After it was revealed, he starred in a Hong Kong skin flick called All in the Family. Oh, dear. Uh, (laughs) It featured Jackie Chan getting it on with a famous porn actress of the time. Uh, And the cast for the chasers in the group, the cast also included Sammo Hung, uh, who apparently working uh, working his uh, groin groove can only be considered a cinematic masterpiece. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So Jackie Chan back in the 70s there. It's actually available on YouTube. You can watch the uh, the sex scenes. Question two. The 70s appeared to have been a hard decade for future superstars. What other actor was doing a porn a little closer to home? Uh, one, though a brilliant writer, they're not known for their fi- their witty conversation. Hint two. He was the pinnacle of American masculinity for at least two decades. Hint three. Nominated for three Academy Awards as both a writer and an actor. Hint four. Though the movie was originally titled The Party oh, and Kitty Buzz. and Studs, it has been re-released as The Italian Stallion and Cocky. Michael. Well, I that actually just gave me a totally different guess, but um oh god, Rocky. Um Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. Thank there you. you go, Sylvester <laughs> Stallone. That is correct. I was actually before that I was going to guess um God, why can't I think today? Who's the guy who did Annie Hall? Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Woody Allen. I was going to guess. Woody Allen. Oh, I was trying to think God. of. I was trying to no, think of writer. Well, yeah, writers, everybody. Writer actors. Everybody thought of Woody Allen when you said the epitome of American masculinity. <laughs> well, that's the one that threw me. But I was trying to think of like writer actors who've been nominated for Oscars. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. In Michael's defense, list. stepdaddy porn is very popular right now. Oh my goodness! Uh, all right, last one. Though it's rumored that he did some gay porn early in his career, this may have never this has never been proven. 
A couple racy artistic nudes of this performer, though, have shown up in the gay magazine After Dark. Who are they? Hint one. There's nothing barbaric about his pictorials. Ding, 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 buzz, ding, 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 buzz, ding, ding, buzz, buzz. Me, me, it's Dan, what I guessed before. Dan buzzed in first. It's what I guessed before, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That is correct. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger actually not only appeared in the gay magazine after dark, but he had a pictorial spread uh, done by Robert Maplethorpe, who's oh, somewhat wow. mm. infamous. Um, the, uh, the pictures are available online, but uh, for those of us who live in Hollywood, there used to be a... Uh, a photograph store at the back of the French market, the uh, the famous oh, restaurant that lives yes. in forever. Yes. And I remember the first time I walked in there, I'm looking around and on the wall, there were just naked pictures of Arnold Schwarzenegger all over. I was very, very surprised to see that. So, um, yeah. So all three of these guys have uh, used, used their body to make ends meet when uh, the times were hard. And I think all three of them had sort of a healthy attitude about it as they grew older, that this is not a life racket, life, you know, uh, shattering event. Sometimes it's just something you did in the past. I wonder if it makes a difference. I mean, I'm sure it does just because there's such a double standard. You know, man does porn. It, you know, it was a job. Woman does porn. Oh, my God, we've ruined her career forever. She's a slut, blah, 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 blah. I, I can think of actresses who are still defined by the fact that they did porn, even though they crossed over to mainstream. I can't yeah, think exactly. of any male actors who are defined by, you know, naked by sex scandals. Colin Farrell had a 11 minute sex tape that got released. Mm. It was everywhere. No one talks about it. No one thinks of Colin Farrell as a porn star. Yeah. You know, it's mm. I don't think it damaged his career. You know? Yeah, but imagine if that had been like Farrah Fawcett or some some other starlet, you know. <laughs> so have you pr- produced your own porn? Do you want to share it with us? Where could they do that, Trevor? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. We're on Twitter <laughs> and Instagram as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars there. Podchaser and Apple Podcast, too. Uh, see the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Also, we are newly, as of yesterday, on uh, Amazon and Audible. Yay! We weren't on there. Five stars there. Five stars there. there. <laughs> um, maybe you're about to watch your, your favorite 90s sitcom, and you forgot that uh, Lane Bryant's in it. <laughs> she, she walks into the apartment, and the audience is losing their mind, because, oh my god, it's Lane Bryant. She's amazing. And she says her iconic catchphrase. She looks right at the camera and says, Watch out, fatty. Is that because Lane Bryant is actually related to Jack Lawlane? Oh. oh, boy. No. <laughs> Just turn up the music, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>